Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 29 of the Dying Alive podcast this week. The Penguins are not playing hockey, so we're, we're going to spend very little time on them, but I, I feel like we'll probably have to address the trade takes. We'll take a little glance around the NHL and the sports world really just generally blessing us uh, with some unbelievable uh, things, uh, both the Champions League and domestically. Episode 29. Jesse Barshaw of the Athletic Pittsburgh. Uh, joined, as always, by my friends. Let's be real. My family, my podcast family, Mike Darnay of Pennsburg. Say hello, Michael. Hello. And Pat Damp of thepensblog.com. Say hello, Pat. Hello. Shouts out to the Pensblog. Jeff keeping the heat up. Dude, he's been, uh, he's been crushing it. Woo, that boy don't sleep. Jeff. Like, he, he's out here churning out, like, one or two big deep dives a week, and I'm sitting here like, what kind of fart jokes can I make about the Capitals and I can't think of anything um you could do like a Andre Florosky you know (laughs) anyway so what I was gonna say uh I lost it you the fart you threw me shout out shout out Pensblog and Jeff yeah yeah shout out Pensblog and Jeff for cranking out the takes and uh I guess we probably ought to just start there. Uh, the Penguins aren't playing, but um, if we're to believe the hype, uh, the big talk of the town is there. I, you know, I don't understand this because the sources report it differently. Some people say they want to trade Evgeny Malkin. Some people say that they're open to the possibility of it. Some people say, well, they would they would field an offer. Uh, some people say, you know, that. Uh, I don't know. You know, beats are disgusting. Yeah. <clears throat> My thought is I think where it would get interesting potentially is if these talks were happening nationally and they aren't. Not not to refute anybody's well, reports or anything. Friedman, Friedman discussed it, did he not? He, he did discuss it. Um But but your 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 Bob McKenzie, your Darren Drager, I oh, think sure. I think once you once you hear the word there, you know it's it's becoming a more serious possibility, and we haven't seen that at all yet. Again, I'm not refuting anybody locally, but 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 just pointing out that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I mean the the takes on it are just ridiculous. Like they're expected. I'm, I mean, I'm not wading into that just yet. The point I'm getting at is like all the takes of it are like, hmm, well, maybe uh, they're thinking of possibly maybe thinking of listening to maybe listening and maybe talking to like. So they're so Rutherford is doing his diligence as a general manager. He's listening to the market. Great. Right. What the hell does that mean? I mean, you know, like I said to somebody, you know, if if. if Somebody called you on the phone and offered you Drysaitel and McDavid for Latang. You saying no? You know what I mean? Like, okay, it's a cap problem. Let's pretend that doesn't exist. But you get the idea here. Like, somebody comes along and offers you some stupid trade. You're yeah. not going to just say no for the sake of saying no. But that also doesn't mean that you are actively doing anything about it. Now, here's the thing. There, there's, I, I, there's 30 GMs that if Jim Rutherford sent a mass email on ListServ. Malkin on the block, 30 GMs would be like, yeah, we're interested. Nobody's not interested. Yeah. Nobody's not interested. I mean, 
you cannot tell me that that same group of general managers, Pat, wouldn't also be like, yeah, well, let's talk about Phil Kessel. Yeah. They wouldn't want a point per game player. That's the thing is like people talk about the Penguins need this to be – they need to be shaken up. They got to be uh, jostled because they didn't win. And so what your, your solution is to trade a point per game player. Yeah. It, it's, so find me a point per game player for okay. the same cast. So two things on that. One, shout out also to Pensburg and Adam Gretz who did a dive on this with Latang and Malkin about how trading marquee players is always a dud. You never get the same value in return, ever. And two, just can we stop pretending like the Phil Kessel stuff isn't because he is, isn't anything other than he doesn't give a lot of guys quotes. Every player you talk to him that he played with in Boston, that he played with in Toronto, and that he plays with in Pittsburgh. I think, I think, I think that, that – not to interrupt you. Let me clarify. I do think that there are some people that hold that grudge. But yeah, I I, paint, I, do, I, painted, I I painted with a broad brush. It's but it, I do think that there is for a misplaced frustration with Phil Kessel among whomever at any given time, right? It's like a toothache. If you don't go get your tooth fixed, it's not going to stop aching, right? So like this aches never go away. That is the reality of life with Phil Kessel and the Penguins. Should wholly understand that. That's what you bought. That's what you've purchased. You've won with it. Why change it? We, let me paint a visual for you. Okay, The Penguins are constantly, as an entity, concerned about the uh, mythical Crosby-Malkin window. Right? When's it going to shut? When is the rebuild hit? You don't want to do something where you're asking that question with your arms on the window, slowly pushing it down with this excitable grin like, is it going to close? <laughs> if you stop fucking touching it, it stay open for longer. Like leave the goddamn window alone. Yeah, and I wanted to <clears throat> step back real quick. You you mentioned how all the talk is about how the Penguins need to trade somebody because they didn't win. Why are we not hearing the same things out of Tampa Bay? Maybe there, maybe there, we're just not you know we're not local to that. That, that, that could, could be it. That could be, but if you ask me, that's the team where you almost should be asking those questions because they have not won anything. Yeah, and and even though I've said on this show before that I don't trust John, well, Calgary too, for that matter. By the way, that, that I don't trust John Cooper <clears throat> as a head coach. There was a great quote of his from either six uh, fifteen or sixteen when they had him mic'd up. <laughs> And he basically was saying to the Lightning, you're not here by fluke. Nobody gets here by fluke. You don't put up that many points in a season by fluke. That wasn't just, oh, they tripped, fell, and had one of the best seasons in the cap era. Like, they just stumbled at the wrong time. Like, don't overthink this. Yeah, and and one other thing I wanted to say is, Jesse, you were just talking about how um, you, you're going to trade away a point-per-game player. The thing that fascinates me about these – call them takes or reports or thoughts or whatever you want to call them is you're basically coming out and saying the penguins didn't have enough good players. So let's trade away one of the good players rather than look at the players who weren't good enough. Sure. Like Jack Johnson. Ah, shit. My, yeah. my car is low on oil. I might as well go to go get a car wash. My, my, my tires flat. So I better change the windshield wiper fluid. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
the guys that everybody is talking about were not problems. They haven't ever exactly. been. Exactly. Exactly. No, they haven't. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I tell sure, you, you, you can come a, out and say, you can come out and say if Kenny Malkin wasn't good enough to his own standard, but to say that he wasn't good enough, that it was the, the demise of the Penguins, is that that's where you you overreach. Let me ask you a question. Uh, if a if a deal came along where you got, I don't know, let's say a decent prospect, like a guy who's like in the ANHL, you know, mm-hmm. like you could contribute at some point soon, but maybe he's not quite there. I don't know, something like that, or maybe like a, a role player. I don't know, but would you take a return on Brian Russ that was reasonable? Like, w- like, would you would you look to trade him and be like, okay with that? Yeah, because Brian Rust is that in that tier of player that you can replace him. He is able to sure. be replaced. And I'm thinking, like, from a forward perspective, I might look to make a change there. To be honest with you, yeah. But, it's like, but if you gave my point being, if you gave me the same forward group, right, and only focused and honed in your changes on the defense. And you came back with a diff that same forward group and a better defense. Uh, I st- I think that team wins that series. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But with that said, I probably would take the deal. Um, but again, we have the caveat as we can flash back to last summer. Penguins traded Connor Sherry to to fix a cap problem, and then they created a bigger cap problem as a result. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. trading Brian Rust for a what people use the term tweener, AHL, NHL, up and down kind of guy, that's fine as long as you don't fill the cap space that you just opened up with another problem. Yeah, yeah that well, was that, I, that's my big that's my biggest issue right now. Like Mike, you nailed it. Like my biggest concern with this summer is I don't think that they're going to do anything monumentally stupid in regards to the the big three. I don't think Crosby, Malk, and Latang are getting touched. I have a feeling that they're going to make a really stupid reactionary Kessel trade and then use that cap space to do something fundamentally dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I share that with you. Um, around the league, gentlemen, uh, the, the good Lord has seen fit to bless us with an unbelievable Champions League semifinal and several Game 7s. Uh, so Carolina sweeps the Islanders. Fun fact, gentlemen, when was the last time a team swept someone and then was swept themselves in the subsequent round? I have no idea. Wasn't that the first time? Nope. It's happened before. Uh, Buffalo was the team involved. Don't quote me on this, but I want to say it was 1996 or three. (laughs) It was it was definitely 1993 or definitely 1996. Either one of those years is right. I know that Montreal was one of the teams involved. And I want to say maybe it was Toronto, but I don't feel like it was two Canadian teams. But either way, Buffalo sweeps the first round. Uh, and then in the second round, they lose to Montreal. They get swept. Um, and again, that was either 93 or 96. Someone, someone <laughs> it, was, it, it was 1993. Oh, was, your boy. It was Montreal. Okay, who was the other which, team? Uh, Buffalo swept Boston, and they were <sighs> swept by Montreal. Boston. Which was the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup? I did say that I didn't think it was two Canadian teams. 
You did? I was right about that. You did? I did say that. I did say that. It was, I just didn't anticipate that it would have been Boston. Um, back in the old Rosie Rzichka days, if it was 93. Yeah, um, uh, Montreal went after beating Buffalo. They beat the Islanders in five games who beat the Penguins in seven. Yeah. yeah. Penguins in the six degrees of Kevin Bacon situation there. Yeah. Um, so we got Carolina-Boston to open the Easter Conference final. Uh, Dom Lushizen's model has the Bruins in something like the 63rd percent favorite range. And I think I saw Manny at about 59 for Boston. Still extreme in both cases. I feel like that's an extreme open to the series. I, I don't understand why why the disrespect for Carolina, I guess. Is it because of Curtis McElhenney and the, the Morazic being up in the air? Uh, that's probably it, yeah. I, I assume that if Morazic's in, you probably want to probably knocks a few that. points off at least. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like four. But you're still looking at a kind of lopsided – yeah. You know, a little less lopsided of a point <clears throat> flip, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, the goaltending matchup is the biggest disparity in this series when you have two Garas going up against one of Curtis McElhaney or P- Peter Morazic. Yeah. Um, Which I, I want to say, side note, I, I said it on Twitter today, um, Dangle's catching a lot of hell for his rant that got clipped on Twitter about him saying the Bruins are making him fall out of love with hockey because of everything that's gone on this playoff. It was typical Twitter where they clipped 40 seconds of like a five-minute clip and just put it in there out of context. He was talking about how awfully inconsistent the NHL is when the playoffs start when it comes to officiating and that the Bruins have been a team that has been very much on the receiving end of like missed calls and like shit not making sense with the officiating. So like maybe look up the whole rant guys and watch it. Cause he makes a lot of good points. Like sorry, Bruins fans were like waiting to dunk on Toronto again, but he made a lot of good points about how the NHL playoffs are a fucking Mad Max fury road scenario. Look, and I'll tell you one thing. Here's where you're not getting any sympathy for me. When the Penguins won those Stanley cups, they had to beat Washington twice. No, no, no! It wasn't about the the. No, the I know. Format. I'm just. I'm, listen, I'm taking this to a separate place. So this is like separate from Dangle. I am seeing that from a lot of people about fairness. I don't believe in that. Like you can argue that the playoff format's stupid for tons of reasons, no, but it's it, not fair. Isn't one of them. It, and that's and that's. I realize that's totally separate from what you just said. But like because that's uh, uh, Toronto is a hub for that. I, I'm just I'm throwing it in there. Yeah, and, I mean I don't disagree with you on that regard, but it's just the fact that like it's the only major sport of the four majors that when the postseason gets here, they're like, well, everything we did for 82 games, gone. Actually, NASCAR as well. I said four major sports, Jesse. Oh, I, I thought you said okay. I thought I didn't hear four. I didn't hear four. Sorry about that. All I have to add, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. All I have, but to it's add true is- though. They do the same thing. Yeah. You, if you make the playoff in NASCAR, right, you can conceivably win the championship having not won a single race in the playoff. I did now, actually saying, know that. Like, it's not easy to do, right? It, it would require somebody you know, repeating and winning a lot, but it, it's, it's certainly a possibility. But to your point, like the national – like what the NBA, they have the old NHL format, right? Yeah, 1-8. Yeah, yeah, which to me is the best, the best one. And I like, you know, the NFL is unique in the sense that like you can do a buy, and like baseball too. You, you like, can do buys. They have the wild cards and then the reseeding. 
Right. So totally different situation. Well, the, but, well, the, yeah. And the other this thing is, is the, this is just objectively fucking stupid. Because well, <laughs> well, like you look at our system and you're like, well, what? and the other thing is like NBA and NHL excluded. The regular season in the NFL and MLB actually matter. Like over half the league doesn't make it in those two sports. Like you have to make the playoffs. And in baseball, they just finally added a play-in game. Oh, really? Well, yeah, the I wild, mean, the wild card is relatively back, recent. Back, I mean, that's what five, six years now. Oh, okay. But, I thought you meant something different for this year. No, I didn't know about. But what? I mean, you figure it took <laughs> 150 years for them to add a wild card game. Wow. I mean. It's the most archaic of all. Yeah. You know, I think now, yeah going back a second, all I was going to add on the fairness and inconsistency thing is that Charlie McAvoy hit was gutless. But th- that was like that was what yeah. spurred that rant, though, was the fact that in game seven of that Boston Columbus series, the ref initially tosses Charlie McAvoy and then just decides, eh, you know what? Nah, just two minutes. Like it, in what world do you just go like? Well, you know, I, I was going to throw the guy out for an egregious hit, but I don't know. Like, we'll just give him two minutes. It's no big deal. Like, that shit happens with that team all the time. Well, I mean, it, the whole thing is a joke. Like, what would you have the, the, the situation with uh, with Vegas, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, to me, that, that's in no way, shape, or form a major penalty. Like, I get it. Like, they're trying to get rid of head contact. They're trying to be better with concussions and all that. So... I will take what happened in Vegas, San Jose over what happened in Boston, Columbus, because basically they were just like, okay, they came up high. He fell on his head. There was blood. We got to call something. We got to call it big. The Boston, Columbus one, it was like he hit him flush square in the head and for good measure, he got ran into Char's fist. He's out of here. Well, you know what? It's a game seven. So two minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think in the the Vegas one, if if he hadn't been bleeding from the head through his helmet under the ice, it probably wouldn't have been a major. Do you think that applies in like a standard court of law? Like your honor, it was game seven. Uh, I'm going to reduce your sentence. <laughs> Be nice. If I get a if I get a speeding ticket, I'm going to try that. <laughs> I'm going to do. I'm gonna, it's, Mike, it only works on violent crimes. I would oh. say I would say for other crimes, I'm going to just use the uh, Donald Trump William Barr defense. I was just really frustrated. <laughs> um, St. Louis, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm all in on the Blues. Pat Maroon looks really good. Four lines. Good goaltending. Okay, no. Okay, so St. Louis has or is or are, I can't speak, are the St. Louis Blues a case study and a coach getting away from coaching and changing his game in Craig Berube. I think Craig Berube has asked, acquiesced. I think some of the stranglehold over stifling creativity. Cause the, the blues were a disaster at the end of the Ken Hitchcock era. They were, disa- they were a disaster in the Mike Yo era. The blues right now, what Toronto would look like with a different head coach. Yeah. Yeah, they look really good. Did I just dropped that. Oh my god! I haven't talked about hockey in like two weeks, and I just came out with that right out of my ass. I mean, they look, good. They look good. really good. And you can't, you can't, is, you can't come edging onto my Babcock's not a great coach turf, Jesse. I've been banging that drum it. all year. 
Look, uh, you got, yesterday you got fourteen acres of land. All right, you spare an acre for a boy. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I tweeted that the Edmonton Oilers should hire Dan Bylsma. Oh my god! Adam, Adam Gretz tweeted me and said the Maple Leafs should consider it because it'll be an upgrade to their coach. Oh my god! Roasting them. Um, so Mike Babcock, guy sitting at desk with coffee mug, meme. Mike Babcock if, is Canadian Dan Bylsma. Change my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, they deserve something hilarious like that to happen to him. Have McDavid have like a – well, for him it would be like a 92-point season. They'd be like, he's down here. Um, and who you got uh, – we got game seven tonight. San Jose, Colorado, who you got? Let's put your take on display. Put your, put your takes out there. I'll be honest with you. I ain't making it to the end of this one. No, no. I'm, not. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch as much as I can. Throw the DVR on, and I'll catch up with it tomorrow. I gotta get Only up at four thirty tomorrow. Fuck that. Ooh. Only good thing is it's a nine o'clock start, not ten o'clock, because it's the only game on tonight. I assume they moved it up for that reason. Um, I'm gonna go Colorado. My reasoning is in these big games, Jared Bednar has been riding his stars. Like Nathan McKinnon's ice time was like 18 minutes through two periods the other night. Yeah, it's true. Which, which, if we want to flash back, back to Mike Babcock, that was Austin Matthews' entire ice time for Game 7 against Boston. I feel like there's something different about this Sharks team. I don't know what it is. I like it. I'm taking <laughs> Eric it. Carlson. Well, that could be it. <laughs> but I'm taking it. I just know, I don't mean just individually roster-wise, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a flow. It's like yeah. the, the, the way they play looks different to me. It looks more fluid. Maybe that's the shift in the National Hockey League. Maybe that's the door the op- the Penguins opened is to you know go for it. Do you think like, maybe they're playing a little looser, having been to Cup Final? Sure, I, I always buy that it's you know I don't know. I guess sometimes it is better to be too dumb to know you know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you that's my entire the- existence on this podcast. <laughs> but maybe that's why the Penguins lost to Detroit in 08. You know who knows? I mean, you go to the final three years ago. They've been – I think they missed the playoffs one of the last two. But knowing what it takes to get through three rounds to get to the final, I think it means you might play a little differently in the first couple rounds. Sure. And also they're getting at the very least average goaltending from Martin Jones. And if they get average goaltending from Martin Jones, they're one of, if not the best team in this playoff right now. I'm going to make a prediction. Oh, yeah. I'll, ha- I'll, be, I'll happily be wrong right. and be roasted if I'm wrong. Cut this, Pat. Get it ready. I think Martin Jones has a laugher of a game tonight. Really? Mm. Don't know why. Just okay. have a feeling. Okay. Good. Have you seen uh, – <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm picking San Jose, by the way. Okay. Although I, will, I don't care who wins. I like both those teams. Yeah, Sam. Ken Holland, uh, new man in charge up in Edmonton, because when I look at Detroit's situation that Steve Eisenman's inheriting, I have the utmost confidence that Holland can navigate them out of this mess. Yeah, it's it's fairly amusing that one of the first topics brought up in Edmonton is fixing the cap mess that Peter Shirley created. Meanwhile, he left one behind for Steve Eiserman to fix. Right. Yeah. With a much, um, with a much lesser talented team. Yeah. That's saying something I, considering we're talking about Edmonton. I will <laughs> I, I will say though, I don't hate this hire for Edmonton. I feel like Holland can be on both sides of the of the of the fence here for Edmonton. You know, he's going to appease the old school hockey guys cuz 
oh, he's got the cup rings, he's got the track record, he's got the success. But he'll also look at Daryl Cates and ownership and Nicholson and be like, now's the time for you to shut the hell up. Like, I don't know that he's in the right mindset for today's NHL, but I think for where Edmonton is as a franchise at the moment, he's a good hire. This is a group that allowed Peter Shirelli to make the worst backup goaltender signing in the National Hockey League days before he got fired. Yeah. <clears throat> my my feeling on Ken Holland is given the amount of bad to fix while still trying to improve, I feel like the ceiling might be what the Red Wings were a couple years ago when they were fading out of that what, 20, 21, 22-year playoff run or whatever where they were a playoff team, but everybody knew they were uh, one and out. I, I, I think it's going to be quite a while till we see Edmonton performing at a very high level. I'd agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. But the other thing I was going to say on that regard, too, is I think it's a bit unfair to Ken Holland to be like, well, look where Detroit is now. Well, they came out of like an era where they had just so many unbelievable talents, and they're the kind of talents that the only way you get rid of them is when they retire or ask to leave. You don't trade them. You don't kick them out. You just say, hey, whenever you want to go, you can go. Like, and, and his body of work prior to that is really good. In other uh, piss-in-your-pants news, <laughs> Gary Bettman is back uh, at the forefront of things. I heard he pissed his pants. Well, he you is, know, he is back bulk, on his bullshit. Balking at the idea of banning head contact in the National Hockey League because uh, that might uh, not address where injuries are being caused, quote, and it would eventually remove uh, to the elimination of hitting from the game of hockey because no other professional sport has successfully mitigated outright banning hits to the head. Nobody's ever been able to pull that off. Says the owner, not owner, says the commissioner of a sport currently in the process of uh, dealing with a lawsuit with former players. You know what the best part is, is that uh, his quote, um, about CTE, um, and he, he, he when he denied that there was a link between head contact and um, CTE, he said um, that it was only anecdotal evidence, and if anybody had any information to the contrary, he'd be happy to hear it. And then, like two days later, the the doctors that are involved in the research and have you know acted in, in partnership with the National Hockey League released a letter, like outright denying everything that Bettman had said. And providing said uh, non-anecdotal evidence, <laughs> and it was like he just got roasted so hard, so fast that it was like, it like there's no, you don't even have enough aloe for that. Do, That's you, just do a, you do you think Gary Bettman has CTE? No, I, here's the thing, right? Because because he does represent the owners who are you know simultaneously liable in the lawsuits, right? He's never going to come out and say that there's a link because that would be a self-indictment. And on and yet, thinking of what his job is, it would be the dumbest possible thing that he could do. Who, who, yeah. who, who is watching autoplay videos? But the, the difference – that was me. Sorry about that. I was, I was trying to look for a quote um, and Sportsnet was trying to feed me content. Damn it, Canada. So, yeah. 
Any well, I think it's because I'm out of country. But anyway, it's not worth the quote. <laughs> I, I, we don't need it because it was stupid. So <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make is there are more educated and less dumb and outright like hurtful ways to deny this link. Maybe not commenting on it at all and just saying something like, "Hey, I'm not a doctor." But like, do you think Derek Bugard's family wants to hear this shit? Listen, yeah, it's uh, it's bad. And I actually one of the <clears throat> doctors you were just mentioning, he actually brought up Steve Montador's name. He was like, the answer is Steve Montador. Frank. Like, I, I hate this. I, is, I, is it Rick Rippey? And I like, like how long, like do we have to keep going? Yeah, how many, how many examples do you need? Yeah. I, I hate it so much because one, even if, even if let's give Gary a bit of a wide berth here, the science is still in its infancy to an extent, right? Like, it's not an agreed upon thing. It's not been worked on for long enough. Just look at the mountains of evidence that were uncovered of teams not doing their due diligence with head injuries for years. <clears throat> and you're going to sit there in front of a committee and tell them that you don't think head injuries are a problem. Like, you think they're a problem. But you only see them as a PR problem and not a health problem, and that's embarrassing. Like, Let me tell you something too, Bat. You know, to, to to say that outright banning hits to the head and having a no gray area approach to it is something that cannot successfully be done. Let oh, me tell you. What, oh, Jesse, well, hang on, hang on, real quick. Hi, uh, Gary Bettman. I'm going to pull something a lot of fans of the sport you're the commissioner of pull. So, uh, hi, Gary. Unlike you, I hashtag played the game. So, counterpoint, banning head hits isn't going to take contact out of hockey. Go on. Well, sure, sure. So, one, you being, you know, a Pennsylvania, you know, PIHL guy, you know that, right? Like, that's... Yeah. we had, You know, you had stop signs on the back of your jerseys, right? So, you know, it, now, now let's take it a step further, though. Where does the NHL get the overwhelming majority of its talent? CHL. Uh, okay, stop. Where are hits to the head outright banned with no gray area? I believe the Canadian Hockey League, Jesse. So you are drafting players into a league where they have already been conditioned for up to potentially four years to play hockey a certain way, but then when they get to the professional league, you're telling them that it's okay to forget what they learned in the CHL and to go ahead and just destroy somebody's chin, um, and that's fine. <laughs> and not to mention, and not to mention, putting aside that the CHL bans head hits, when you are coached as a child, when you get to the age where you are allowed to hit, you are told shoulder and chest attack, back and head pull up. End of story. I remember that from the new 21 Savage album. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. I mean, even, Pat, you were mentioning all the the past instances of it's hockey today, Brian Hedger reporter for the Columbus dispatch talking to Josh Anderson about the Charlie McAvoy hit. He asked how he was able to return. He said, it's the playoffs. You have to, I was cleared and ready to go. He asked him, how'd you feel in the third period? Not great. Yet okay. somebody signed off on him going back in the game. Yeah. Well, it's the playoffs. Baby. Listen, I, I, I do have a place in me that doesn't always get angry when guys say it's the playoffs, it's hockey, because I have been there. I have 
secondhand because it was so bad. I had a concussion that literally made me black out. I apparently got up and tried to play until the coaching staff pulled me down by my collar and took me out of the game. So I get it. It's something in, inherent in people who are competitive. It's just the fact that the adults in the room refuse to be adults. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to – let's move on because I'm going to get pissed to keep talking about this. And we have other cool stuff to discuss uh, outside of the, the realm of uh, the NHL's really just general stupidity. Uh, pause here if you're not caught up on Thrones. All right. Stop. Right. And uh, we're gonna get some people asking us questions about Thrones. I have no doubt about it. But yeah, and we got we got two big episodes to go over. We do. Well, I, mean, I don't want to spend all my time on. Well, that. not go over, but yeah. since we recorded two big episodes of happened. I don't want to hear anybody bitching to me about how they couldn't see shit during the battle of Winterfell. You got to shut the lights off and watch. It's a That's battle at night in a blizzard. <laughs> yep, the, the visibility's not high. <laughs> Yep. Exactly. I think it added it to the suspense. Yeah. And let's not, let's be honest. It's also a cost saving measure too, right, Pat? Because like, if you keep it that dark, that's less intricate detail you have to put into like all the CGI dead that you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you keep that contrast down, like some of those finer details can sort of be black washed out. If you know what I mean. Well, I was also gonna yeah, say- and I and and I th- I was gonna say while the things were very dark it was still very smooth it wasn't like Blair Witch Project shaky yeah now, and, and how was the how was this season and everything with the dead coming towards Winterfell promoted the long night is coming I don't exactly think of bright when I think of night I sure don't sure don't Pat let me tell you something else people are like harping on this like well the military tactics weren't up to snuff to the standards <laughs> of medieval times. There was only one take on that that I found absolutely hysterical, and it was a tweet thread that was like, it was like, I never served in the military or did any sort of tactician work, but I have watched a lot of action movies, so here's one, that, here's a thread of what <laughs> went wrong. And one of the best ones was about Danny landing to help John, and he was like, I'm sorry, that's what we call an unstable LZ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, shout, shout out to uh, <clears throat> Theon's character arc through the series. Yes, that was awesome. Oh sure, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, I, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jesse. I had to, I had to get that one out before I forgot. But yeah, well, well, before we get, let's before we get to to the good boy Theon, um, the military thing. <laughs> Don't tell me that you're going to react in a rational fashion, a when, uh, excuse me. <laughs> All that cockroach poison he's drinking. Oh, I did just have a huge LaCroix. Um, you're not going to convince me that you're going to think rationally when you're about to fight in a complete army of the uh, dead. Correct. And then on top of that, it, no correct strategy formation is a winner there. There's people coming after you. But no, 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 we have to stick to the plan, guys. And as evidenced, he can regen whenever the F he wants. <laughs> so so what do you think? Like, oh, if they had just put the trebuchets behind the trenches, all their problems would have been solved. Like, if you think that's your solution like, this to wasn't, this problem? This wasn't like trying to go get Bin Laden. Okay, now let me give you my third beef with other people's beef. <laughs> okay, He's got Before beef with the beef. All right. 
Well, we never even found out what the Night King's grand revelation was. Why do you care? Ooh, ooh, I actually have a take on that for once. Ex- expel it. The Night King was never the biggest threat to the realm. Ever. It, it's, it's implied in this show that the biggest threat, and, da- and Daenerys says it uh, a few seasons back when she says one family goes on top and then the wheel turns and then another family goes on top and then the wheel turns humanity was always the realm's greatest threat because they're going to kill one another and continue to kill one another yeah um Theon R.I.P. already yeah Um, what a great redemption story especially uh this season he was uh, he was good at tugging on the heartstrings those last yeah. few episodes. Oh my god! Was it the first episode when uh, his sister was when like, he, "You want to go fight yeah, for the Starks?" Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, I do." Um, <laughs> Jorah, Jorah went down exactly like I thought he was going to go. That was I think that was expected. Yeah, it was time. For, my for, man died in least, the friend for zone. Me at least it was lived and died in the friend zone, man. <clears throat> um, Leanna went out great. That yeah. was nice to get, her, to get the I, w- I will say, um, with how quickly and how chaotic the Battle of Winterfell was, I was glad that Sunday's episode started the way it did, kind of issuing a goodbye to everybody. Yeah, that was awesome. And and Jon Snow's, like, eulogy thing was sick. Yeah. Um, Barrick, I will tell you what, I wasn't a huge Barrick fan. What's What's going on over there? Drop my pen. Sorry. Um, I, I, I wasn't a big Barrick fan when he when it first when he first was introduced, but by the time it was all said and done, uh, and through some book stuff, um, I was a big Barrick guy. He did his duty, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Barrick's uh, interaction with uh, the Hound was unbelievable in the in the prior episode. You're gonna have to explain to your fucking lord why he brought you back all these times just for me to throw you <laughs> over that fucking wall. <laughs> My favorite interaction between those two is uh, when Beric said on the shore, we'll meet again, Clegane, and he goes, fucking hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think there, there's, an, there's an argument to be had that the Hound has the best lines in the entire oh, series. Oh, dude, he's the comic Lots relief, and it's beautiful. <laughs> Especially uh, this past episode when he was talking to Gendry. Oh, says, the, body, the, the bodies are still burning, and that's on your mind. <laughs> yeah. If you were to paint a picture of Premier League fans based on Game of Thrones characters, <laughs> the Hound would be West Ham United. <laughs> and I'm trying to think. Braun would be Liverpool. <laughs> might no need, doubt might, about I it. At least know might need to make it. Chelsea. Chelsea would be um, uh, would be um, Littlefinger for sure. Need to make a whole article about this, dude, Jesse. That's your next story. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And Hodor would be like Huddles. <laughs> Huddersfield would be it. More like Hodor'sfield. Hodor'sfield. Um, <laughs> we just did a whole. We just did a whole bit. Um, all right. So Night King goes down. Are we? I, I don't. People were upset about. It. I, I when I saw it happen live, I was enthralled i was so pumped yeah i was so pleased with the decision uh the music helped create the entire scene yeah 
Oh, for sure. Because I thought at that moment they were all done. They I kept, thought so too. They kept escaping death. And I'm like, it, yeah, it's like they can't keep getting out of this. And then, and how about shout out to uh, Brand's line? You're a good man, Theon. Yeah. Bold strategy by Jon Snow to scream at an undead dragon. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last episode was the one that I really didn't like a lot. I, I go back and forth. Like I thought it was. There was a lot of subtlety in it that I enjoyed, but as an overall episode, it wasn't their best. Yeah, I thought it was a, a poor setup episode. Like, like I, I feel like, uh, and I'm going to get all literary on you here real quick, but I feel like Euron's pulled that like deus ex machina card once too many times. You know? Like, he's always subtly hiding behind a rock with an entire fleet of ships to pop out and suddenly even the playing field. Walmart, Josh Jackson looking motherfucker. Oh my god, that's and let me tell you in the books, Euron is Euron is so much different. Yeah, he's actually smart. Right. Like (laughs) not not so much smart, but like ruthless. Like you get a blood Mike, I'm all in on Euron being a flagrant moron. Yeah, I agree. Like like there was a tweet, Cersei's whole plan is that the pirate guy can't count to eight. <laughs> Count to nine. <laughs> he did have a, I guess, a bit of a suspicious, suspicious look. What's uh, what's Jamie's intent right now? He wants to kill uh, Cersei. That's what I'm thinking too. I think a lot of people have misjudged his intent. In I, I, I hope so. That'd be fun. Like like we talked about Theon's character arc, Jamie's character arc is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll I, see how I, it goes. I we'll want to hate him so badly. I've wanted to hate him so badly, but never have been able to. Yeah, um, Miss Sandy goes down. Yo, badass way to go out too. Like it wasn't like she's sitting there. Like I saw a tweet or something or a Facebook post or something. It was like she's sitting there staring at the one man that she loved and the one person that cared about her. And her final word was, "Danny, burn these motherfuckers." Oh did sure, you, yeah, yeah. Did you think at all for a second that when she said that the dragon was gonna go off? Yeah, I was hoping. Like, yeah, I yeah I didn't know what to didn't know what to expect. Also. Um, it's like when you go to your friend's house and be like, Xbox on. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jesse, sorry sorry to take the side of some of the people you were complaining about, the ones that were like mil- the bitching about the military tacticians and stuff. But So one of your dragons just got took out with one of those big-ass crossbows. You just brought your dragon to the walls where there's like eight of them? <laughs> Look, so and I, and, I will, and I will bitch about that for a minute because – if anyone's ever piloted a boat before, you know that they're very hard to turn in a circle, right? So an effective way to attack a boat would be from behind <laughs> because it, even if those crossbows can rotate, A, they're going to go right through the sails. <laughs> it's like when Indiana Jones's dad shot the back of the plane uh, in The Last Crusade. And then um, the other thing is uh, – they're sailboats, <laughs> which I'm going to say probably makes the, the boats I've been behind the wheel of had motors, <laughs> and they were very easy to turn. So I'm just assuming, you know, a quick, 
a quick detour around would have been an effective strategy to engage in. I'm I'm just gonna be honest with you. There oh. was a point there was a point in the show where I was a real big Daenerys Targaryen hater, and I'm there again. Oh, on like the, I'm and, at and, that and point. also to build on what you're saying about the ships and Euron in general. He's nothing more than a plot device to keep the battle between Danny the Dragons and everybody else and Cersei from being a complete and total blowout. And 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 like for me, the the party scene was important because it it showed you know when she called out Gendry, everyone in that room clammed up and expected it to be because she was going to like kill him, you yeah. know. <clears throat> so. Then the party picks up and everybody's partying with John and talking about him coming back from the dead and she's just sitting there uncomfortably and it strikes you that no one likes her as a person, you know? Like she is very unlikable and if you're just meeting her for the first time, she's sure she's been a great help, no doubt. You don't – you're not alive without her. But at the same time, you're like, eh, I'm thankful for you but I don't like I'm you. friends with Sam Tarly and like he burned his brother and his dad a lot. <laughs> like you know what I mean like uh, kind of like John better because dude parties you know like you don't really party like I don't see you around so well, and what you were saying there what you were saying there too <laughs> your like dad was kind of crazy that was that's what I'm saying she's becoming her dad like you could just see it in her body language like she's losing it yeah yep um, and she also right, got, and somebody at Starbucks got her fucking order wrong and she was just pissed. Somebody did point out though that although that is a coffee cup, it was craft it services. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's decidedly not Starbucks. Um, we have to get to soccer for a second. Go we football, <clears throat> football, Pat. I do want to tell you this story quickly, okay? Because I want to get your take on it. Okay. And I and I know you don't know anything about it. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what happened. I will say this just just to give my perspective. I tried a couple years ago to get into it, like pick like research teams, picked a team, started watching. I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't my no, thing. I understand. I respect that. This is this is more of a conversation about sports. And if how about this? A conversation about sports and the and the code within the game. All right. How about that? Okay. You already know where I'm going with this, Mike. I do. Okay, so in you know you remember you have the Premier League, right? But in the yes. Premier League, three teams get relegated. Yeah, if you, three if teams you finish in the bottom three, you drop down to right. Division exactly. Two. Now in the second division, you qualify for promotion by either finishing in first or second, which means you automatically go in, or you finished in third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, and you participate in a playoff. The winner of that playoff also joins the aforementioned first and second team to join. So even if you finish in the top six, you still have a chance to get up, right? You can still go. Makes okay? sense. Now, so the top of the table, okay, is all but decided. Norwich City, very good this year at the top of the table. They're in, right? Norwich is in. The second spot is up for grabs, and it's really a race between three teams. Leeds United, who were the, the team that was in that position for the longest, mm-hmm. but kind of fell out of form. Aston Villa and Sheffield United. Okay? okay? So these are the three teams. So you come down to a couple weeks ago, Leeds and Aston Villa are now playing each other. Okay? One of those teams wins. They're in. 
You understand? Like three points. Like this is basically your, a win and you're in. You're win and you're in. Okay, you get that other automatic. You skip that playoff. You're going straight to the Premier League. Now, in this sequence of events, an Aston Villa player goes down. Okay? Now, just like hockey, he's laying on, on the floor. No whistle. Right? And what's the number one rule in any sport? Play to the whistle. You don't stop playing until you hear the whistle. No whistle. So leads play on okay they've been given position they play on now here's where the controversy happens some people will tell you that leads feign as if they're going to kick the ball out of play as a sort of act of grace to aston villa to sort of say like we know your guys hurt right we know the whistle hasn't blown so we'll play it out of bounds and give him the opportunity to get his shit together right you don't see it happen a lot but it does happen right now it looks like they're about to do that so some of those villa players they let off a bit thinking they know what's coming but then leads are off to the races and now they got a clean break they come in on net everybody's scrambling around goal all hell breaks loose villa's pissed they say you guys first of all the ref didn't blow the whistle which is nonsense because they had a guy down and he's clearly hurt second of all what the hell like, you can't act like you're going to kick the ball out of bounds, but then actually kick it out of bounds. You know, like, not do it. You know what I mean? You, don't, you didn't do it. That's the thing. Like, you broke our necks. So people are throwing punches. People are diving. And all hell braces are red cards go around, right? Okay? Now, if remember, if this scoreline holds, Pat, Leeds United advance to the Premier League, okay? Their manager, Marco Bielsa, forces his team to allow Aston Villa to score and level the game at 1-1, thus denying his own team promotion, right, and and taking back the goal that he legally scored. What say you as an impartial judge in this case? Was that a smart decision, or did he absolutely 100% blow that? You're asking me the manager about the manager. The overarching over- like, over- this you- is the manager. Right. It, well, a, you know, nobody did anything wrong by playing by playing to the end of the match, right? Like, if you don't hear a whistle, if play doesn't stop, you keep going. No, right? no, you so take you, the advantages you are given. Period. Exactly. No, whatever they can say. Right. Exactly. Um, you remember that Zakarinsky situation with the Penguins? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That like, Wh- two years ago. Whistle should have been blown. Was not blown. Was not blown. Sucks. So, but- Penguin score. That's life. So, would you, do, his decision to allow the other team to level the game. Is that good sportsmanship or is that absolute stupidity? <clears throat> As somebody that's now coaching a youth hockey team, I know that came off as kind of douchey. It was kind of meant to. <laughs> I'll allow that. I'm gonna, that's fine. I'm going to catch hell. I'll, I'll ca- I might catch some hell for this. But fuck sportsmanship. Okay. I yeah, I absolutely would have done it. In in that in that regard, okay? Like if if it's my youth team, like maybe I'll say like, "Hey, you know what? Let's play fair." You have a chance to take your club from the second tier to the top tier. Now, maybe they get run out next year. Maybe they go into Premier League and get their shit kicked in, game in, match in and match out. But you're in Premier League. You're taking your club to the top 
You're getting a shitload of money. A lot of money, yeah. Shitload of money. So you know what? Like that scene from Space Books. (laughs) Where Space uh, Books. Space Books. Space Books. Like a a dad trying to figure out social media. What's this goddamn Space Books? (laughs) Space Balls. uh, Because we're not just doing it for money. We're doing it for a shitload of money. <laughs> anyway, um, but, but yeah. So it, so anyway. Long story short, Pat. Score ends one one. <laughs> Game ends one uh, one, uh, one all, and uh, neither team got promoted. It was Sheffield United who won that day, <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the team that was not involved in the process in any way, shape, or form reaps the benefit of the other two teams playing themselves like, to a draw. Like man, I, I I on a on a principled level, I appreciate what the manager's trying to do. Like I get it, it's it's yeah. it's awesome. But in the context of where they did it, no, that's stupid. In the situation, if you want to do that in November, that's fine. Yeah, if you, do that, you, don't if do, you do that at the start of the season, sure. Like, man, like we don't we want to win, but we don't want to win like this. But when there's a a, a, a promotion to the Premier League on the line, yeah, well, sucks for you, doesn't it? Yeah. Now the sad part is, is that in the playoff. Villa and Leeds do not play each other in the first leg. Um, so the first leg is a, is a home and home with the other teams involved, and then progresses to a one game championship playoff final. So you could get <clears throat> Leeds and Villa again in a repeat, um, potentially. So. Yeah, but so. we won't we won't be seeing it anytime soon. Um, the title race in the Premier League is as exciting as it has ever been, and I know Mike's butthole is just clamming shut right now. Um, here's the situation. Uh, last week, um, uh, with with Man City holding essentially a one not essentially a one point advantage, um, uh, you you end up coming into this week. Liverpool, the dramatic late game winner um, against Newcastle, Mohamed Salah goes down with an injury. Their star player and Divock Origi comes in, and what a great performance I mean, from him. He's been phenomenal. Let's be honest. All he does uh, is score late goals. Yeah, and well, not just late ones, uh, Mike. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but so Liverpool win. They put the pressure on Manchester City. Now, I love this story. Um, they put the pressure on Manchester City, who play on Monday. Um, City at home um, against uh, Leicester City, who have been a very competent side recently, and takes up to the, was it, I think, the uh, 70th minute. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and it was the Dumoulin goal, Pat. The player who wins the game for Manchester City was essentially Manchester City's Brian Dumoulin. Nice. Never never scores. Never expected Didn't, to score. Did not have a goal this year. And he shot from, what, 25 yards, 30 yards out? It was closer to, closer to probably 35. Absolute rocket. His players and teammates, uh, Pat, were screaming at him not to shoot. When he <laughs> um, Sergio Aguero, their striker, was yelling don't do it and then uh he just curled the son of a bitch right up into the top corner like he was uh lionel messi um sad face but uh so here's where we're at this sunday liverpool uh at home to uh wolves now now situation wolves very competent in seventh place um very very good football team a lot of fun to watch um you know the benefit of people following championship sunday where all the games happen simultaneously um, as a lot of eyes will be on Liverpool, but that'll be great uh, for Wolves, who've had a phenomenal year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Liverpool will be tested, I think, uh, especially considering the emotional thing that they just went through with the Champions League, which we'll get to in a second. Um, um, but they're going to be tested on Sunday against Wolves. That is not going to be a walk in the park for them. No chance. 
um, you're likely, I mean, I don't know what the word is on Salah, po- you know, possibly playing in that game. Probably not, I'd assume. Um, probably not. Yeah. Um, so you're back, you know, you're, you're really testing your depth here um, against the Wolves team that, you know, are well rested and, and again, playing in good form. Mm-hmm. Then on the other side of it, Manchester City on the road at Brighton, who are just objectively horrible and have absolutely nothing to play for. 17th place. Yep. And mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I don't see this one going your way. Nope. They are going to finish <laughs> uh, with 97 points and finish in second place. Now, for reference here, Pat, okay, Manchester City won the league last year with 100 points. Okay. Okay. All right, Liverpool. That now that a hundred point was it a hundred or a hundred and one, Mike? Was it a hundred and one? I can't remember. It might have been a hundred and one, but the point being, Pat, they <laughs> broke the record. Nobody had ever scored that many points in the Premier League, right? So consider the fact that they were at like what one hundred or a hundred and one, and Liverpool have ninety seven if they win this weekend. So how much of a robbery is that to end up one point behind? the eventual winner Manchester City with 98 when you basically just put up one of the best performances Manchester United in all their glory never had 98 points I I read something or 97 excuse me never had 97 points I read something that said not even 97 but when Liverpool got to 94 on Sunday it said that would be enough to have won the Premier League every year for the last like 15 except for two years life's not fair no, it's not. Um, we got to get to the Champions League, too, before we get to correspondences. I know we're going on a long show here, but this is worth talking about if you like sports. Hey, we took, um, some, we took, we took a week off. Let's give the people yeah, what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, Barcelona. Which, which surprising, real quick. Surprisingly, real quick, um, I love all of you guys that kept asking us where the show was last week. Like, that, that as much as it sucked to have to reply, like, hey, shit happens, life got in the way. I love that you guys actually like carve out time in your calendar for this show. That's cool as hell. Yeah, I guess I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I'm just kidding. You guys are the best. And um, Champions League. So the Champions League, uh, an amalgamation of all the best soccer teams in the world. Um, Well, not in the world, but from a very specific area of the world. Uh, (laughs) um, Play in a very, very large tournament. Um, and the semifinal is two legs. Now, in, in two legs, aggregate score wins. Road goals is the tiebreaker, right? So Liverpool play Barcelona. First leg, they lose 3-0. Yeah, that was last Wednesday. So they now go into the second leg without their two best offensive players, down 3-0, <laughs> and needing four goals. Against Barcelona and Lionel Messi. Right. And remember, road goals is the tiebreaker, right? So it's not going to, you know, if Barcelona starts scoring. If Barcelona scores one, Liverpool need to score five. Exactly. So uh, what do Liverpool do at home but win 4-0? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, this is the second year in a row that this has happened to Barcelona. The Barcelona needs to trade Phil Kessel. Yeah, they've got to get rid of Lionel Messi. Got to they they got to trade Sidney Crosby for a scoring winger for Crosby. Um, but there's just an improbable comeback. It, yeah, wa- so. it, it was like watching a collapse. Like if your friend like was like freaking out on Facebook Live or something or like was having a public meltdown, it'd be like watching it but not like being able to do anything. 
Yeah, and like this was <laughs> this wasn't a fluke thing. This was a shit kicking. Yeah. And um the the most interesting aspect that I I'm I don't know if you read this yet. So I assume you saw the fourth goal on the the quick thinking corner from Trent Alexander Arnold. <clears throat> Delicious. Okay, did you did you see the analysis of this? Um I may have, I'm not sure. Okay. So uh I read it this morning. It was an article uh, reported by Simon Hughes. I saw it was shared by Mike Cayley. Okay. Uh, mentioned how <clears throat> Liverpool's match analyst noticed a week ago in Barcelona how Barcelona players were moaning and groaning and becoming distracted every time a call did not go their way for a free kick or a corner kick. Mm-hmm. You had, Liver- off guard. had Liverpool ready. Jurgen Klopp told the ball boys at Anfield, if we get a corner have a ball ready to go because they're not going to be ready. And that's what happened. Wow. Smart. I'm going to be honest with you. I hate Liverpool. I know you do. But I like Jurgen Klopp a lot. I really like Jurgen Klopp a lot. Reading his quotes uh, um, (laughs) yesterday after the match were really great. Now, tonight was the one that really broke my heart. (laughs) Because there's a lot of things I hate in this world. Chief amongst them is Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Cannot stand them at all. Um, who was the first team to win in their new stadium, Mike? Who was the first away team to beat Tottenham in their new stadium? I don't know the answer to this question, but I have a feeling I know the answer to this question. Oh, it's West Ham United. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling. Um, anyway, they, they come into a game at uh, Ajax tonight. Um, there's the Netherlands side um, who've just been playing phenomenal football down 1-0 on aggregate. Uh, Ajax scored two in the first half, um, and now we're, uh, Tottenham find themselves down um, uh, 2-0 on aggregate. Or 3-0 on aggregate. 3-0. Right, 3-0 on aggregate. Scores Spurs, uh, sco- Spurs score three away goals in the second half, <laughs> tie the game, and win the tiebreaker by scoring three away goals in the second half. And the, and the last one was in, what, the 96th minute? Yeah. First Champions League final, so you have Tottenham, Liverpool. That's how they got there. Uh, first one since tw- uh, 2008 that won't feature one of Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Bayern Munich. You hate to see it. Um, all English, though, and you might get an all English Europa League final, too. Yeah. That's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. Anyway, Pat, how are you? I'm good. Good. <laughs> What's going on in your life, huh? Uh, you know, just uh working weird hours, man, at the yeah. station. Who are you who do you have in this uh in the in the final? Do you have Liverpool or Tottenham? Um Liverpool cuz I like my I like golfing with Mike. Thank you. All right, there you go. <clears throat> Hard-hitting analysis there. Where do, where do you lean on this, Jesse? Because you hate both of them. Mm. Here's the way I look at it. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp's a good person. Mohamed Salah's great. Really, like, just an enjoyable, likable guy. Virgil van Dijk, like, arguably one of the most enjoyable guys to watch. So, like... The downside to Liverpool winning 
are really dealing with like you <laughs> and the rest of your life. Wow. Because like people, no, it's true. Liverpool fans will always tell you that they won the league before. Like it's been a long time since you've won the league, but people will tell you about it all the time. And like there's certain events in Liverpool's history that were a long, long time ago, but they're really, really quick to tell you about it all the time. So like if you give them something recent, I feel like, you know, it could go poorly <laughs> for me <laughs> as an outside third like, party uh, observer. Like but it's nowhere like, it's like nowhere near, Right, but it's nowhere near the downside of watching Tottenham lose. Or like win, or watching them win. Like watching them lose again would be phenomenal. Like it'd be one of the greatest days of my life. I think I think we have our answer then. <laughs> yeah. So it's a hundred percent I'm going I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pull for Liverpool. Whereas like last year I was a hundred percent pulling for Real Madrid. Like no question. I was flagrant Real fan that, that day. I got uh, I got some some uh, shirts here you can borrow if you want to wear that day. You have to admit though, last year when you when Liverpool lost in the Champions League final, I was like super good about it. Yeah, yeah. The difference between last year and this year is we have a real, real goalkeeper now. Ah, uh, what happened to him? He is playing, I think, in Turkey. Wow. Turkey. He he tweeted in support of Liverpool yesterday after they won. Uh, I'm really bummed about Ajax. They were I, fun. They were so much fun to watch. They robbed us of a little bit of joy there. But what are you going to do? Um, all right. Well, I won my fantasy hockey league, too, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. Proud of you. I did I did not win mine. That's what I'm plugging. How about that? What, are you just skipping correspondences? Oh, my God. No. No. But I'm going to forget if I don't get it out of the way now. Speaking of, somebody dropped the beats. Got some good, got some good ones here. Uh, Tim Bowers asks, "Would you hire Melisandre as your life coach? She did good work with Arya." Nah, I don't believe in life coaches. I only believe in life coaches if it's John Taffer. I only believe. Amen to that, buddy. (laughs) I only believe in life coaches that are alive. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't have her. Resurgence on my list of things I expected. No, but I love that they circled that back from when uh, she met Arya the first time. Yeah, and it was pretty sweet when um, all the Dothraki swords lit up. Yeah, listen, I understand tactically that was stupid, but tell me that it wasn't cinematic brilliance. <laughs> I'll tell you what's not cool is Nathan McKinnon going to the locker room with his arm just limply dangling. Didn't didn't look good. Is that yeah. enough to get Derek Broussard emotionally involved? I don't know. Um, Nick Case asks, how many times have you seen slash will you see Endgame? Zero. Same. Slash point five? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I'll see it at some point. Um, B asks, whose death, whether or not they actually died, were you most prepared for at the Battle of Winterfell? Brianna Tarth. Same. Hound. I was ready, I was ready for it. Hound. I was I was terrified we were losing him. At one point in the episode, I thought we were going to. When um, was it Beric yelling at him 
to get up. Yeah, that that scene was sick. I thought he was gonna go there. Arya's gonna gonna live, um, but the Hound's not gonna make it, and I think it's gonna be on account of her. Ooh, yeah. I love that she still just relentlessly busts his balls. <laughs> I think that Arya is actually gonna be the one to kill him. I think he'll be in a similar situation after defeating his brother. And um, he'll ask her. He'll we, ask we need. Her to, we need the Clegane Bowl. Need it. Yeah. Have to. I want Arya to steal the Hound's face, and in this, and then the sequels go around killing people as the Hound. That'd be amazing. I'd watch the yeah. hell out of that. Uh, Chris Craft asks, "What conspiracy theories do you believe the most?" Hmm. Uh, Finland isn't real. Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer. Um. Take. Yep. Right with you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, first question from Mike Newer was a week ago. Said not really a question, but messy. Yeah, after well, the first leg. I was after the first leg yeah. yesterday. Now it is a question. Messy. I feel bad for Messi. He looked broken. He also wasn't very good in no. the game. So I mean, uh, Fabinho and Joel Matip were all over him. Yep. Pocketed. Um, I can't remember who asked this question, but it was, is a box of Kraft mac and cheese ever not a single serving? I think that was Jay. Was it? I, think I so. can't remember. Um, yeah, no. It, it's I'm going to finish or come damn close to finishing it every time I'm oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm partial to Velveeta, but same answer. Velveeta shells and cheese, baby. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Uh, Mark asks, do you guys like roller coasters? If so, which is your favorite? Uh, top stop top speed dragster was dope. I don't I don't dislike them, but I also don't have a favorite. Um, I believe my favorite is now a was because I believe it's defunct now. Was the volcano roller coaster at Kings Dominion, Virginia? Hmm. I believe it is not an active thing anymore. Uh, Puck Scores asks, if there was a backup goalie of the year award, who would you name it after? Tomas Vokun. Does that happen six years ago today? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there a guy who was like a backup forever on the same team? Uh, Yeah, I... (laughs) My knowledge of backup goalie is not exactly. I'd probably name it after Brent Johnson. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, he did basically end DPHR's career. He was also always a backup. Yeah. Um, Hammer asks, "Would you watch the Robert Kraft video?" No. No. As a fellow we- as a fellow West Ham supporter, I know Jesse has seen worse. Oh yeah, no, no. that's so mean. <laughs> Oh no. Uh, David James asked, what is the appropriate tip on a haircut if you go every two weeks or so? Do you vary it up if it's your regular person or a random? Uh, my sister's a hairstylist, so I get free haircuts, but I constantly give her like 10 bucks. I think, uh, oh, did I say his guy gets typically $10? No. That was his answer. Um, I think that's about right. I think it's about right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Meta asks, who's the most exciting player left to watch? And gave us some options here. Nathan McKinnon. Brad Brad Marchand. David Pasternak. 
insert Sharks defenseman of your choice. <laughs> Tomas Hurdle, Jordan Bennington, Vladimir Tarasenko, Sebastian Ajo, or Brock McGinn? Uh, it's a toss-up between Ajo and McKinnon, even though we said McKinnon went off, which is not great. My toss-up is Ajo and Tarasenko. Also, shouts to her for putting Marshawn on there because he's exciting to watch, but not for the reasons you'd expect. Yeah, I'm probably... I'll probably go to Tarasenko. Yeah, when he's on his game, he's something else. Um, Peep asks, what's your golf handicap? Bad. Whole, whole game. Yeah. I was going to say my game is handicapped. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I think realistically I'd be like. I know there's a way to calculate it, but I've never actually taken the time to figure it out. I don't, I'm too embarrassed to say mine out loud. <laughs> and admittedly, I don't know how handicaps actually work, so no idea. It, it's like you add up your last so many rounds and then divide it by a certain number. Which, which it's easier to calculate when you play the same course all the time because I think you have to divide in like slope rating and stuff. Hmm. Um... Lisa asks, was every Jack Johnson shot on goal effectively a turnover? They never went in, but did they ever have a positive impact? Probably not. (laughs) I'm always up for just about anybody shooting when they have the opportunity. Yeah. Um, Okay, last question here. I'm going to preempt this by admitting that I'm going to take a lot of heat here. Oh, boy. Matt Schaefer wants us to rank Chris Farley's filmography from best to worst. Oh, yeah, I saw this. So um, feel free to rank these however you like. You've got your usual Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, Airheads, Billy Madison, Wayne's World 1 and 2, Coneheads, Dirty Work, Almost Heroes, and Beverly Hills Ninja. Hmm. I'm not ranking all those. Yeah, no, no way. It's too many. And especially because, like, God love the Billy Madison character, but it's such a short-lived, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very good, but it, I wouldn't consider that a Chris Farley movie. I, I, I feel like you're either uh, – sometimes I feel like people are either a Tommy Boy person or a Black Sheep person. So I'm just going to say out loud I'm a Tommy Boy person. Same. Agreed. Um. Would you like me to insert where I'm going to be taking shame? Yeah. Those three movies that we just listed are the only ones that I've seen. Oof. Out of that entire list? Yes. you never seen Wayne's World? That is correct. To quote Chris Farley from Billy Madison. Yeah. Man. All right. Nothing surprises me anymore. I, I, love, <laughs> I love the Wayne's World movies, man. Those two of my favorites. I have never seen them. His, any of them. His cameo as the security guard in the first Wayne's World is so good. Again, so brief, but so effective. And back up to Detroit. Yeah. You know, for security guard, he had an awful lot of information, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I can't really make a definitive ranking, but I can rank Tommy Boy as not only one of Chris Farley's best 
things, but one of my favorite movies of all time. I'll take right. that. I'll give you that for sure. <clears throat> Is that all we got? Uh, I believe so. Anybody uh, plug in anything? I actually am. Uh, all right, let's hear it. I wrote a story. I shared it on Facebook and Twitter a bunch. Uh, I wrote a story for KDK this past week. Uh, it's about two women that they were the last two finishers in the Pittsburgh Marathon, but they f- ran the last mile hand in hand. They did not know each other at all prior to the marathon, and they met at mile 14 and began to motivate each other. It's an awesome story. Good shout on that. Um, nothing hockey-related, but I have whoopie old baseball playoffs coming up that I'll be covering that I hope go well. All right. I'm on sabbatical, man. As one should be this time That's of crazy. year. Work, working on your pottery. Yep. You got it. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thanks for uh, dealing with our uh, tardiness in this episode, and uh, we'll be back for more takes. Hold on to your butts for Thrones this week, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Okay, see ya. See ya.